0: Oh, good. Hey, I want to invite you to open up in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 7. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, we'll take a look at the Father's final lecture about unfaithfulness. Remember, as we look at Proverbs 1 through 9, it's all messages of a father to his son. It's how it's put together. Uh Kind of the picture behind it is probably David to Solomon teaching him about the things that he's learned, the experiences that he's had, and how important it is for him and everything that he does to get wisdom. And keep in mind, the picture behind wisdom is that wisdom is Jesus Christ. He is the, the, the co-creator, the, the, the uh, example that we see in Colossians 1, 1 through 3, that all Wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus. So we have this picture painted by the writer of Proverbs as we work our way through of the wisdom of Christ. So we have his final lecture against unfaithfulness. We'll look at the whole chapter together real quick. uh, And then uh, we'll back up and take a look at it. So it begins, Proverbs 7 verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight, your intimate friend, to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice. And I have seen among the simple. I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. And now in the street, now in the market, and in every corner, she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. With bold face she says to him, I have I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vow. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. And at the, full moon, at the full moon, he will come home. <clears throat> With much seductive speech, she persuades him. In her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her just as the ox goes to the slaughter, or as the stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into the snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O oh sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside from her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift your word. God, we pray that your spirit would be with us. Guide us and lead us. God, open your word to us, God, that we might have the understanding that the, writer of Hebrew, or that the writer of the Proverbs wants us to glean, wants us to hold on to. Help us to see the deeper truths, more than just what's on the surface. And God, be glorified and magnified in it all. So we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we have the Father's final instruction on unfaithfulness. Now, here's what I want you to see. <clears throat> if you were here on Sunday, one of the things I talked about on Sunday, and by the way, it'll come up again this next Sunday, there are several times where the Bible focuses in and talks about money. And what we do when that happens is we focus on money. And we think that's the point. And we want to recognize that oftentimes the point behind a teaching that the Lord is laid out for us is a little deeper than just surface. It's not a question about God wanting our money we talked about last time. You remember what Jesus said, right? He held up the denarius when he was asked... Is it lawful for me to pay taxes unto Caesar or not? You remember what he said. He picked up the denarius and said, Whose image is on this? Caesar. So give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. What did he say next? And give unto God the things that are God's. And my question was, In whose image are you made? Whose image is on you? The concept is not about the money. It's about what are we giving ourselves Totally, completely to the Lord, or aren't we? So here, when we look at the adulterous woman, when we look at this woman who, <clears throat> who is a cheater, I don't want you just to see the, the sexual issues, because those are easy things to point out, aren't they? Okay, it's wrong to cheat. Everybody okay with that? If you're married, you're not supposed to cheat? I don't, I don't think that's the, the point that the, that the author of this proverb is getting to. One of the things that the Bible teaches us is this. God points to idolatry as unfaithfulness to God. Read the book of Hosea. and How is, how is it that the nation of Israel is described in the book of Hosea? As an unfaithful wife. This concept of unfaithfulness is what this, this depiction of the adulterous woman is bringing out. Are we being faithful in our relationship to God? And if so, there are things we do as a faithful follower of the lord then and, and there are things we don't do in fact the proverbs describes it as two roads right we'll talk about it when we get to the end again in deuteronomy chapter 30 the lord said i have set before you life and death there are two paths i've set before you life and death blessing and cursing choose life and then all throughout the proverbs you're going to see this distinction between a path that leads to death and a path that leads to life. And the question is, which one are you on? What road are you on? In all you're getting, get wisdom and understand where is the road you're walking lead to. So as we look at this, we really want to be able to see that concept. So he begins with this phrase, "'My son, keep my words, treasure up my commandments.'" with you keep my commandments and live keep my teaching as the apple of your eye bind them on your fingers (coughs) excuse me write them on the tablet of your heart and say to wisdom you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend okay so there's several things that he begins in his instruction one he says keep my words we've talked about this several times that word keep is synonymous with treasure value do you value the instruction in this case the overall picture would be like God speaking to us about walking the path of life. Will you keep his words? Will you keep his instruction? Does his instruction matter to you? Or is it just like when our parents used to give us a lecture? Right? And you get the glazed eyes and you're not hearing anything at all? Just ricocheting off of your head? So, so this is the idea. Do you treasure him? And he tells us that, you see the word and, keep my words and treasure my commandments. It's the idea that both of those things are linked together, keeping and treasuring, having value on what's being given to you. He says, keep my commandments and live. So we want to have this idea, if we treasure the commandments, if we treasure the instruction, if we treasure the words, this is the path of life. Can you hear the Father saying that? This is the way of life. Just like Deuteronomy 30, guys. I'm setting before you. He's going to give an example of two roads in this proverb, isn't he? There's one road that leads to death and there's one road that leads to life. And he's giving this instruction. Treasure. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. As that that thing that is very important in the central of your vision. In the central area of, of the things that you see. The apple of your eye. In fact, he's going to use some phrases here straight out of the book of Deuteronomy. Straight out of the book of Deuteronomy. He's going to say, right here, he's going to lay out for us this idea. Bind them on your fingers. What does that mean? Take the instruction, the word, the commandments, and put them on your hands so the things you do are governed by the instruction that you've received. As the word of God, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're told the same thing. Bind them on your hands. Why? So that the things you do are the things that the Word of God is teaching. He also says, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, for the Hebrew, he looked at the, at the heart much differently than we do. He looked at the heart as the, as the seed of all thoughts. We look at the heart as the seed of all emotion. But so so we can meld those two ideas, can't we? That the Word, the Word of God, the instruction, the commandments, not only governs the things we do, but how I think and how I feel. In other words, are those instructions, do they permeate into your being? Or is it just words, like a lecture, bouncing off of the hard exterior of our life? And then ultimately, he says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister. That's a close relationship, right? Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Say to insight, or that insight would be your intimate friend. So this idea, this very close relationship with wisdom. Again, the book of Proverbs personifies wisdom as God. It, it does it in chapter 1. It does it in chapter 8. It does it in chapter 9. So we're going to see that <coughs> excuse me, as we continue to go through. So we want to recognize this personification of wisdom being Uh, an example a picture personified as god ultimately as jesus christ so it's got to be close right it can't be out there if the relationship that you have with the lord is something out there something ethereal something that doesn't really permeate what you do how you think how you feel then what road are you likely to walk compared to what road that wisdom walks so in order to follow Christ, what did he say to every one of his disciples that he called? What did he do? He walked up to him and said, you come and do what? Follow me. Follow, go where I go. Come where I'm going. Come and follow me. Come and learn from me. In fact, he says out there in the foyer, we have it up on the wall, right? All you who labor and are heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest, right? What's the promise? That my, that my burden is easy. Right? You can come. You can come. I've got, I just want you to come and learn from me. Learn the things that I can show you so that you can walk the path of life. This is the purpose of the book of Proverbs. In verse 5, he tells us what the danger is. Look at it in his instruction. To keep you from the forbidden woman. Oh, scary words. <laughs> so before your eyes glass over about the forbidden woman and the do's and don'ts of the Bible... Yeah, those those things are <clears throat> those things are obvious. Okay, the point of this scripture is stay away from unfaithfulness. That is a, a complete and utter picture of what unfaithfulness looks like in this entire text. So stay away from unfaithfulness. From what? Because her words are smooth; they go down easy. The Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season, right? We'd be foolish to say sin doesn't bring some sort of satisfaction. The problem is it leaves behind a greater hunger, and the, and then you're constantly chasing the satisfaction that there was. It's no different than drug abuse or alcoholism or any other way that we may self-medicate. We some people use drugs, alcohol. Some people use TV. Some people escape in video games, and you put you you pick your poison. We all have something we run to. The idea is there. there's a satisfaction for a moment. There's a, there's a point where, where, wow, that was really good. And then there's this experience of constantly trying to chase that, which doesn't satisfy any longer. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but at the end, what road is it on? Where does sin lead? What wages does it pay? Yeah, the wages of sin are death, not most of the time, not some of the time. All the time. So we want to recognize that path. The smooth words of the cheater. And then we're introduced to the victim. Look at verse 6. Here's the victim. For at the window of my house, I have looked through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple. Now, the word simple just simply means, uh, typically, a youth without judgment. Somebody who doesn't know better. Inexperienced. Naive. You, you put whatever words you want into it 's Not a stupid person. It's not a, there's not something specifically wrong with this person. It's just a naive guy making some poor choices on his road of life. <laughs> it says, I have perceived among the youth a so young man lacking sense. Passing along. The word for passing along is also the same word for marching. It means he has a destination in mind. He knows what corner he's walking to. He knows what neighborhood he's in. Now, he might be naive in thinking that he can mess around in the neighborhood that he's messing around in, but there is someone on the prowl. And the point of someone on the prowl is not an illicit sexual affair. The point of someone on the prowl is to kill, maim, and destroy. Does that remind you of anybody else? There's this idea that... the that, that we simplify this way too much. We need to see the big picture here. So here's this this young guy, he's he's somewhere where he shouldn't be, purposefully walking on the street near her corner. You see it, right? It's not he just happens to be there. Passing along. He's choosing to go there. He took the road to her house. When? In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. When do men like to sin? In the dark. Now I'm not saying everybody doesn't sin in the daylight, but that's a, that's a favorite time. <clears throat> so that that's the picture that's being painted. That's his purpose. He's going there for a purpose. He's naive in thinking that he can that he can play a little bit with sin on this corner. Now again, don't focus on the sexual aspect. Just focus on the reality that there's sin on the corner and he's going to it. And if he was faithful in his relationship with God, he wouldn't be there. If he kept the teachings of his father, if he held fast to his commandments, if he, if he held on to those things as though they desired, if he had that close relationship with God, there are certain places we just don't go. There are certain things that we're just not a part of anymore. That's just, that's just part of what it is to have God living inside of us. To have this relationship with Him. So look at it. <laughs> it says He's passing along on her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. He's out looking for trouble. Enter the temptress. Verse 10. And behold... The woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. So here's what I want you to see. Sin is always enticing. Again, don't focus on the sexual aspect. You're going to miss pieces. Realize that when the devil comes to cause a man or woman to fall, he doesn't come looking horrible. He doesn't have a pitchfork and a horns. He doesn't have the red skin. He's not jumping up and down. You don't go, oh, look, it's the devil. Like the dumb movie, It. I've seen an old one. I haven't seen a new one. But who in their right mind wants to go play with a clown with sharp teeth in the sewer? Who is going to crawl over to the little gutter and see this crazy-looking clown with the crazy fangs and say, oh, Yeah. I want, to, I want to come in the sewer with you. I want to float too. Yeah? It makes for a great story, uh, horror story, but uh, lame idea. The devil don't come looking like that. How does the devil come? Enticing. What is a great way to describe that? Dress like a prostitute. The prostitute, by the way she dresses, says, I'm available, right? I, there's something specifically I'm looking for. There's something specifically I'm offering. But then the Bible says she is wily of heart. That means on one hand, she's showing she's she is trying to entice. I just want you to picture it like a black widow spider trying to entice a fly into the web. And the idea <coughs> the idea is similar. She's she's got words smooth as honey. Everything sounds good, everything looks good, but the heart's desire is to destroy. The harsh desire of the woman in this picture is not just to have a a fling with some guy and that brings about death. Okay? The harsh desire of this woman is to destroy whoever she gets. To kill them. And that's how we are... That's how the writer is emphasizing the path of death and the path of life. So she comes with all these... these, uh, all her wear, saying, come to me. But in her heart, the desire, the wiliness of her heart, or the craftiness of her heart, she has a plan to destroy. And you see that plan from the very beginning. Now, when he sees her, she is loud and wayward. Hey, she's fun. She's looking for pleasure. Everything about her is calling to come. Everything about sin, or the desire to Uh, Leave a faithful relationship with God is all about the enticement. It's all about the honey. It's all about the sugar. Whatever the thing that it wants will will pull us away. Just like a fisherman baits a hook with what a fish is going to bite. And he casts it out there. This is what the enemy of the soul does. He baits the hook. He casts it out there. She's fun. She's loud. She's different than everybody else. All of these things are enticing to this young man. <laughs> Says she's loud and wayward and her f- feet don't stay at home. She's always on a move. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. Now here's what I want you to understand. She's not specifically targeting this guy. She's specifically targeting anyone. She's looking for whoever is going to take the hook. Who will take the hook. And this is how the way of death works. It all looks good. It all looks fun. It all sounds great until that person steps off the way of life, steps onto the path of death, tries methamphetamine for the first time. Where's that road go? Uh, you've been around for 10 minutes. You can figure that out. But what happened? Everything looked so good, everything was so alluring. Everything sounded so great. So what happened? I left a faithfulness. I left faithfulness to the way of life, or to God, or this relationship. And in my unfaithfulness, I turned to an idol. Some other thing that promised satisfaction other than God. And that idol, all throughout the Old Testament, the picture is the same. Leads to death, destruction, decay. And this is what this woman... Is offering to him. She is looking to ambush. She has hostile intent. Okay. I want you to see. This woman is not just some woman. Who's trying to sleep with some guy. This woman is specifically a picture. Of evil in the way of death. And wisdom is a picture of the way of life. God being wisdom incarnate. And the way of death being everything. Opposing God. Anything leaving God and looking anywhere else. And so it's described in this way. Look at verse 13. So she seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. She boldly reaches out and grabs him, initiates contact. He's thinking, man, this is great. This is great. Sin always satisfies for a season. And she gives this flattering invitation. I've been out here in the market, on the corners, everywhere my feet would carry me, looking to ambush somebody, but I was really looking for you particularly. No. I'm looking for the first fly to come into the web. And as soon as I can, I'm going to tie that fly all up and suck the life juice out of it. The idea the, of this unfaithful road, this road of death pictured by the adulterous woman. Now, verse 16, she says, I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. So she's saying, Look, I'm not poor, and I got a bed and a place that's ready. I got a place we can go. Now, earlier she said, I paid my sacrifices. I paid my vows. So there's an outward uh, ritualistic system that's, that she follows. It doesn't permeate. It's not a part of who she is, right? It's exterior. So she, she went to church. She said her prayers. She made confession. She did whatever things that, that she did that she needed to do. She... <clears throat> brought the daily sacrifice. She paid her vow. She's left the temple. Now she's ready to do whatever she wants. And all of these things resonate so much with the young man or the young woman trying to walk the path of life. Trying to recognize that what is being described to us throughout the Word of God, is more than just a ritual, more than just symbolism, more than just something that's a surface. It's supposed to permeate everything. What we do, right? How we think, how we feel, all of those things, it should permeate it all. This is why the Father says to His Son, let these things be on your hands. It's why God says in Deuteronomy, write my word on on your hands. Keep them as frontlets between your eyes. Keep them on your your eyes like headlights so you can see where you're supposed to go. How did the the writer of Proverbs describe it? The apple of your eye. Keep it as the apple of your eye written on your hands, on the tablet of your heart. So the idea is that this relationship is not that. It's not surface. My wife saw a book that, uh, that she thought she wanted to read at a thrift store. She picked it up. I don't remember the name of it. I just remember God was in the title. <coughs> and uh, so I seen it on the end table. And I said, oh, wow, that, that's new. What's, what's that book all about? She goes, oh, man, that book is terrible. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I bought it because it, it, in the title, had God in it. Like it was uh, something about the Lord. And in the first chapter, she describes how... Her God is not the God of the Bible or, or the God of anybody else. It's, it, and she goes on to describe uh, kind of a higher power kind of a deal, right? Like sometimes in a 12-step program, your higher power can be the light bulb or whatever you want to say is your higher power that's going to give you the strength you need to, to meet your 12 steps. So the idea is not a personal God, but a, a God of your own making, and it's a perfect example of how some people will take God and they will they will make him into their own image. They're saying, okay, here's this here's this relationship that the Bible calls us to have with the Lord, but then we we make, we take it and we form our own idol. This is our God. And the question is does the God that you formed look like the God of the Bible? Does it match? Or is the God that you formed and put together something else altogether? And if the God that you formed or the person that you're following is not the authentic Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty, then what road are you on? And where does it lead? To know that what you have is not something that you're thinking up that I'm putting my own understanding together in, that I'm saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take this. I'm going to push those things together. Because I think the church got all this other stuff wrong. Never mind it's in the Bible. I'm going to ignore those things. I'm going to put these things together. I'm going to form my God, bake it in the oven, take it out, bow down, and worship Him. Is that the way of life? Is it following and holding the precepts? That God's given. Do they guide our hands? Do they show us the way to walk? Do they change the way we think and how we feel? Is wisdom a close, closer than a brother, Jesus said? <laughs> is it a close friend? An intimate friend? Someone very close to us that we want to follow? This is the opposite. This woman is the, the, the picture of the opposite of those things. So you're not promising Anything to this young man. She's not giving him anything specific. She's just telling him, hey, we're going to have fun. Right? That's what was said before every single needle. Before every single drink. Before every single thing that ever put someone on the path or the road of death. Before whatever you you fill in the gap for the sin. It doesn't make any difference. Not one Greater than another, whatever sin was sold, whatever bait was put on the hook, that's what was said. This is going to be fun. This will be great. But if it's not the road of life, it only ends in one destination. And that's the point, that's the purpose that we want to see in this story. So look at her promise in verse 18. Come let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. So she makes a direct proposition. Hey, man, this is all I want. This is all I want. Free sex. Let's take our feel. I promise total and complete satisfaction. We can delight ourselves. We'll have sheer enjoyment. Sheer enjoyment in that which is fully and completely off the path that the young man should be walking. The promise sounds great. The hook is baited. It looks good. It looks good, and all that's left is for the fisherman to set the hook. All that's left is for the fish to take the nibble. Take the nibble, and the hook will be set. Look at verse 19. She says, for my husband is not at home. So already we know there's something wrong with this, right? She's married. The husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey, so you don't have to worry about him. He's not going to catch us. Nobody's going to know. It'll be okay. How many times is the first step on the road to death started that way? No one will know. Come on. It's not such a big deal. And the question that the father wants his son to understand is, if the instruction and wisdom has permeated your life in such a way that it guides what you do, how you feel, how you think, you'll stay off that corner. You'll stay off that street. You'll know. That's not the way of life. That's not the way of life. My husband won't find you, don't worry. He took a bag of money with him. And he's not coming back till the next full moon. So there's no chance he's coming. He's not going to be here. So she provides a disarming reassurance. No one will know. I'm giving you everything you want. What more could you ask? No strings attached. The hook is laid out, and then the fall comes. It says in verse 21, With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. And all at once, he follows her like an ox goes to the slaughter. Now here's what I want you to see. We see that the fall is sudden. As soon as the fish takes a hook, bam, when that hook's set, Man, you're coming in. You're going for a ride someplace you don't want to go. And so the hook is being set. But he's enticed, listen to this, he's enticed by her instruction. Same word used earlier when the father said, My son, keep my words. Hold my commandments. Keep my instruction. The father is saying, You have this instruction from the way of life. You have this instruction from the way of death. The father is saying, Treasure mine. And what we see is a boy being enticed by hers. Why, wow, that sounds really good. Well, that seems right. Right? We talked about that before in the book of Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to a man. Well, wow, that sounds good. I think I'm going to try this. I'm going to take this path. I'm going to run down this road. The problem is, if it's not the road of life, there's only one other road. So we want to be sure the road we're on. How can we know? Everyone is full of opinions. Everyone can tell you something different. If you can line up 25 different Bible teachers, you can get 25 different opinions on any particular text. Well, let me tell you. It's not the responsibility of the Bible teacher to convince you one way or the other. That's yours. <clears throat> I can. It's the funniest thing. I can go right now turn on my computer, pull up a random video about elk hunting, and watch a guy shoot an elk 15 times in 15 minutes. Oh, man, you should buy that guy's stuff. You see all the success he has? So you can buy all those calls. You can buy the same camouflage he wears. You can get the same kind of bow he's got. You can buy all that stuff, but in the end... That dude ain't with you on the mountain. Who's there on the mountain? You. And that's that's real life, guys. Right? We went to school and our teachers taught us things, but our teacher doesn't come and do life with us, do they? You can utilize those years of instruction to grow, to learn, to develop good habits, or you can waste them. That's all up to you. But on the road of life, you're the one that's going to walk it. Well, then I I should know? Yeah, you should know. How will I know? Why don't you pick it up? Spend some time in it. Wrestle around with it. You don't got to be afraid of it. Open up the way of life and know it. Then when you hear the enticing instruction, at least you can know. Yeah, that's that's not the way of life. How come it's not the way of life? Well, there's some clear things in the Bible that differentiate against it. Yeah? Look, we're guilty of a lot of them, folks. Right? All you have to do is have enough people shouting, and we'll all get in a ruckus, won't we? No? How do you guys feel about free speech? You feel good about it or bad about it? Do you want to have the freedom to say things that you feel you ought to have the freedom to say? Do you want to have the freedom to protest the way you want to protest something? I mean, should we be free to go out to Planned Parenthood as we have in the past? Should we be free to do that? You may disagree or agree with it, but should we have the freedom for that? Unless you're a player in the NFL? Unless you're a team in the NFL? Look, you don't have to agree with it. My question is, do do they have the freedom or don't they? And if I take away their freedom, what goes with it? Isn't that funny how that works? Now, I don't like it, but I, there's something I can do about it, isn't there? Is there something I can do about it? Yeah, I have the almighty power of the off button on my remote. And I can go, boop, and you go do whatever you want. I don't got to watch it. I don't got to listen to it. But what I can't do is take away their right to say what they want to say because when I do, what happens? Mine goes with it. We, we don't comprehend those things sometimes. We don't think those ideas all the way through their conclusion. Well, what's the way of life say? What's the way of life? What does the way of life tell us? How should we engage our culture? Is the answer to take a lead pipe to somebody? Does that work? You know how many times I heard somebody say, you know, that guy just needs a good beating. And if he got a good beating, that would all straighten out. And I can tell you through experience, that's bunk. It does not work. Oh, no, Jackie, you don't know. No, trust me, I do. I still got a friend today who has been beaten with a pipe more than one time. Never changed him. He's the meanest son of a gun I ever known beat him with a pipe, pull over a carload of guys, jump out and beat him on the, on the sidewalk. That'll change him. The next day, you know what he was? The same guy. Because the lead pipe don't work. No, what, what changes the heart of a man? The heart of a man is deceitful and wicked. What changes the heart of a man? God changes the heart of a man. Having that close relationship with wisdom changes the path that a man walks. You want to see a man walk right, do right? Then you take the gospel. But we get wound up about a lot of other stuff. Can't we? I've seen more posts about the NFL in the last week than than, any time in recent memory. And, man, there's a lot of things that were articulately written, pretty cool, good stuff. I wonder if next week I'll see him write something about the gospel, about the way of life, about Jesus Christ. The things we're passionate about, they come out, right? Does it cause us to question, where are my passions really? Where, where are my passions centered? Is this my value for the way of life by holding on to and allowing the things that God's word lays out for me governing my life is that what's leading me or is it just my emotion at the time are the smooth words of the adulterous woman the way of death are those smooth words sucking me in are those flattering words are they bringing me in cuz how was this young man this boy how was he led as an ox to the slaughter. Not as a young guy who, wow, well, is going to have the night of his life. Ox to the slaughter. You're dead. In case that's not a, closer, a close enough example, you're the deer to the hunter's arrow. That don't seem better, does it? You're the bird to the fowler's snare. The point is, what was the end of the road that he took? death death and we can all justify all kinds of (coughs) different desires and passions that we might have but the simple question is is that desire and passion on the road of life does it lift up the name of jesus you can do that a lot of different ways I see guys in the NFL do it, the NBA do it. I see guys on on TV because of the opportunities that they have proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, and praise ye the Lord. The method I'm not worried about. I'm just worried about is the passion there. Is the passion there on the moment of your greatest victory to to name the name of Jesus? Is the passion there at at your darkest times to name the name of Jesus? Is that passion in us? Are the instructions bound to our hands? Are those instructions written on our heart? So then, we have the story kind of laid out. And then you have this final section, if you will, the moral of the story. Okay, you guys with me? So here's the moral of the story. 24, now sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her way. Remember I told you, the book of Proverbs is about two roads. One that leads to life, the other, death. Don't turn aside. The way to death sounds good. The way of death looks tasty. Nobody baits a hook with something that the fish don't want. It would be a waste of time, no? I've not met one fisherman go out and say, you know, I'm going to use this bait because it never works. I'm going to take this lure... Because this lure has never caught a fish, and I'm going to fish with it all day. No way. If you go with a fisherman like that, that ain't a fisherman. That's a napper. fisherman is working his way through his tackle box, finding every possible lure he can use. Same picture here. Don't listen to her words. It will take you to the way of death. Listen to what it says in verse 26. For many a victim she has laid low. So this is not the first time. You guys kind of tracking with me? Okay, I, I'm not, this is not some kind of weird love affair that the Bible is putting some twisted spin on, okay? This is a woman who's a black widow who is killing the innocent. Or the simple, for lack of a better word. The naive. She hunts them down to kill them. The way of death, that's what it does. What does the Bible say about the devil? He's a roaring lion doing what? Seeking who he can snuggle with? How's it go? The Bible says, Be wary of your enemy, the devil. He's a roaring lion. Oh, so that doesn't sound good, does it? So this is the idea. Okay, the idea is destruction. Many victims she has laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Man, she's got a lot of people. The way of death gets a lot of people, don't it? Jesus said... Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there are that find it. But wide is the path of destruction. Why did he say that? You, you don't think he had the Proverbs on his mind? You don't think he had Deuteronomy 30, a way of life and a way of death? There's a path that leads to life, and here Jesus is proclaiming, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Why is he saying that? Because I want you to do what? Follow me. I'm going to show you the road. I'm going to show you the path. I'm going to show you the way. But the enemy don't just let you go. Nope. As soon as you think you're going to take that way, he baits the hook and he throws it out. And he'll keep baiting that hook and throwing it out. And if we allow the word of God to permeate our lives and affect what we do, how we think, how we feel, Seeing the path that we're supposed to walk, it'll keep us away from the bait. It'll keep us from the way of death. How does a young man cleanse his ways, the psalmist declared? By paying heed to your word, O Lord. For thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What's he saying? Shows me the road to walk. It guides me, gives me that direction. It says in verse 27, Her house is the way to Sheol. You can substitute the word hell in there if you would like. Her house is the way to hell. Sheol is the place of the grave, the disembodied dead. Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So my question is, what road is her house on? Which way? Way of death, right? What are we going to find on the way of death? Death. You know how funny it is? How many people come to tell me, Jackie, no, I'm not going to find that on this road. I'm the exception. Because, right, there's an exception to every rule, and that's what we learned in school. There's an exception to every rule, and I'm the exception. So I can walk on the way of death down to that house that goes into the, the bowels of hell, but I won't go there. Are you sure about that? Because that idea you didn't just pick out of the word. Because the word says, whoa, pay attention to the road you're on. What road are you on? What path are you walking? It only leads one place. Get off that path. Hear the call of the Lord. So what is it that the father told his sons here in these last three verses? He told them, guard your heart. Guard your heart. The the, the writer of Proverbs told us this. In Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance. You remember? For from it flow the springs of life. Protect your heart. And I remember I told you the concept for the Hebrew was a heart was a seed of thought. So keep your mind, pay attention to how you think. Don't get caught up in the roar of the crowd just because the crowd is saying whatever it's saying. Think about what's going on. Be led by by how you think, not by how you feel. Because we all get caught up in emotions. Have your emotions ever led you to do something weird? Something lame? Something dumb? So how about we take them out of the driver's seat? And we spend a little more time with what we can really use more of in our world today. And that is the ability to think. And whenever I want to concentrate on how should I think about this. And I want to go to the Word. How does the Word tell me to think about this? Right? And sometimes I got to show up to the Word with something besides a rake. I can show up to the Word with a rake and that's great. At least you showed up. Rake up them leaves. Sometimes we need to show up to the Word with a shovel. Start digging in. Start turning things over. Start seeing how this works and what makes it tick and what's underneath. Really delving into the things that God has for us. Understand that we want to hold fast, guard our heart. We want to be able to recognize that the way, as a man thinks, so he is. Is what the Word declares. As a man thinks he is in his heart, so he is. So guard your heart, guard your mind, think about how you see things. What do you really, who is God really? Is he who he says he is? Or do we come to those sections in the Bible that we wrestle with and we go, nope, I'm tearing them pages out. Then what do I have? I have a God in my own image, not the God of the Bible. That's okay, just recognize that that's what you've done. But that's not the road of life. The road of life says, like Paul, the whole counsel of God. God revealed it all to us for a reason. Why? He, there's things He wants us to see in it all. Every page. Every jot. Every tittle. To glean all that He has. <clears throat> the second thing the Father said, pay attention to my instruction. Keep it. Treasure it. Let it guide who you are. And then recognize that her way is a way of death. This woman is just the bait that leads to the way of death. And that example could have just as well been anything that will cause someone to get off or change the road they're on or run down the path of death. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, here's what it says. The Lord speaking says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. For I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God. This is the way of life. Obeying His voice. Holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days. That you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. To give them. Choose life. Watch out for unfaithfulness. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.